0: Today we have a special guest speaker. Mark Lee is the lead pastor at Vantage Point Church in Eastvale, California. This is a church that he and his wife, Andrea, started with a team in 2008. Today it has grown to over 1,200 people. Mark is a great friend and mentor to Pastor David and Cindy, and we're pleased to have him here with us. Let's give him a warm welcome. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, just so I know you're with me, would you turn to your neighbor and say good morning? It's great to be here with you guys. It's great to be back in the area. I actually grew up in the Bay Area. I went to school not too far away from here. And so it's really comforting for me to know that really nothing has changed in the Bay Area over the past 35 years, especially home prices. You know, I mean, you can make over $100,000 and still be homeless here in the Bay Area pretty much. So, I mean, oh my gosh, I don't know how anybody can live here because the home prices are so expensive. However, let me just say a quick little bit about your pastors, uh, Cindy and Dave. I have gotten to know them over the past couple years, and they are just extraordinary people. They are great leaders. I am somebody who knows your pastor even behind the curtain. So I can honestly say this, that he is the same guy on stage that he is off stage. I mean, just a great guy. He's an extraordinary leader. He loves God. He loves his family. He loves the church. And I know what you're thinking, because probably what you're thinking is, um, you're thinking the same thing whenever a teacher tells you that your child is special. You know, you're like, my child? Like, my child is the one that picks his nose. My child is the one that puts his pants on backwards. No, like, you can't be uh, honestly talking about my child, but really, like, your pastor is just a great guy. So I got a little bit of a homework assignment for you that I'd love for you to do, and that is, especially in light of the fact that a lot of pastors, I don't know if you know this, have a tendency to, to struggle with depression and discouragement. I'd love for you to write a, a thank you note to Dave and Cindy this week, a little homework assignment. And I always say this, whenever you get a thank you card, what do you do? First thing you do is you shake it, and you see if anything comes out of it. So I love extra credit if you include a gift card with it, OK? Now, a uh, little bit about me. Uh, I have a small family of five children. I have five children. My wife and I, we just came back from Hawaii because we celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. Yes. We made it. We made it. She has lived with me for 20 years. So let me tell you this. Uh, when we were in Hawaii, it was fantastic because, man, I didn't shave the entire time. And look at me, people. I am Asian. I cannot grow facial hair. I just have these black splotches all over my face. And it was disgusting. Oh, and but I, I felt so close to God because of it. Now, all I did was eat pokey and shave ice the entire time. And I just felt so close to God because of it. Let me ask you this real quickly. Uh, Raise a a show of hands. How many of you have ever been to Hawaii? Would you raise your hands if you've ever ever been to Hawaii? Okay, like almost everybody. Uh, uh, You have probably thought to yourself when you were in Hawaii, you thought to yourself, man, you know, you looked around and you went, man, this is what heaven is going to be like. Right? You looked around and you probably thought to yourself, at least a foretaste, a smidgen Please, God, I hope heaven looks at least a little bit like this. That when you and I have a tendency to think of heaven, you know what we think about? We think about heaven is going to be a place where the the palm trees just kind of sway in the breeze. And we think about heaven is going to be a place where there's these crystal clear emerald waters. that are like bathtub temperature. That when you think about heaven, that heaven is going to be a place where you can eat as much Spam Musubi as you want. And not gain any weight in the process. The heaven is gonna be amazing. And we have a tendency to think that, well, if heaven is gonna be like that, well, then hell, you know, like hell is probably gonna be the complete opposite. The hell is gonna be a place of fire, the hell is gonna be a place of torture, that hell is gonna be a place where I'm gonna be stuck in a minivan with five screaming children for all of eternity. It's like, ah, no, nothing like that. It, back in my day, and I hate saying stuff like that, but back in my day, there was a cartoonist named Gary Larson, and he drew a comic strip called The Side. Any any of you familiar with The Side? For some reason, he loved to draw, draw comic strips about hell. And so here's one little comic strip that he drew right here. And he was like, now this is from last summer when Helen and I went to hell and back. Yeah, okay, it's not very funny, but I... I thought it was funny. Anyway, here's a quick question that I want to ask you as we start out this morning, and that is this question right here. Why did Jesus come to earth? Why did Jesus come to earth? You're probably thinking to yourself, <laughs> I mean, I'd die for my sins so I could go to heaven. Hey, you Southern California people are kind of stupid. Like, here in Northern California, that's... Christianity 101. Like, we already know that. Can we, can we go on to something a little bit more complicated? Because, yeah, you know, learned that at VBS a long time ago. Why did Jesus come to earth? Well, Jesus came to earth to die on a cross so that I could go to the good place and not the bad place. And what I want to say is this. What if that's not entirely true? What if the gospel isn't necessarily all about the fact that Jesus wants us to go to heaven as much as he also wants a little bit of heaven to get inside of me? See, what if the essence of the gospel isn't necessarily about how God wants me to know certain things about him, and he wants us to pass this Uh, spiritual SAT exam so that if I fill in the Scantron, I thus fulfill the minimum entrance requirements of what heaven is really all about? What if the gospel isn't necessarily about about God wanting to save just me as much as the gospel is really all about the fact that God wants to save the entire world? every one in it everything in it and how what God wants to do is God wants to bring everything then into right relationship with himself here's what i'm saying right here and that is this right here we're all looking forward to one day but what if one day Is already here. That's what we want to talk about today. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It is the second book of your New Testament, what we Christians like to call, um, you know, it is one of four different biographies about Jesus, what us Christians like to call the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Mark, chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. Before we talk about these verses, what you have to understand is that these verses are sandwiched between two different sections. The first section, immediately preceding it, Being, you know, this is where Jesus is tempted, led out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days and for 40 nights. And this is really the precursor to his ministry. At the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, before he comes out into his public ministry, it would make sense then that what Satan wants to do is Satan from the beginning wants to derail what God is trying to do. On the flip side of this, on the other end of these verses that we're about to read right here, Jesus is about to call his first disciples. So, what you will find if you are looking at your Bible is that there is a heading immediately preceding these two verses right here called Jesus Announces the Good News. So, the question I have for you again today is this What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is all about how God wants me to go to heaven. Or is it? Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says this right here. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And what is the good news? That Jesus died so I can one day go to heaven. But wait, Jesus hasn't died yet. So what is the good news? Well, the good news, as Jesus talks about it in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it says this right here. The time has come, he said, that the kingdom of God has already, that's my word that I'm adding there, if that's okay. That the kingdom of God has already come, would you all say that word with me, has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What in the world is Jesus talking about here? What you're going to find is that over and over and over in the ministry of Jesus, that as Jesus is talking about the gospel and as Jesus is announcing the good news, Jesus is not talking about the kingdom of God as if it's going to be one day, someday in the future. But what we find is that Jesus within his ministry is also continually and repeatedly talking about the fact that the kingdom of God has already that the kingdom of God is already here. In fact, you'll find it in these verses right here. Luke chapter 10, verse 9 says this. Heal the sick who are there and tell them that the kingdom of God has, again, sorry, my word, has already come near to you. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21 says this right here. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, when is the kingdom of God coming? When is it coming? Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is already in your midst. Now, what you're going to find is that New Testament scholar Matthew Bates said this, that in the earliest days that the accounts of Jesus or the biographies of Jesus' Gospels weren't necessarily called the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of John, but rather it was referred to as the Gospel according to Mark, the Gospel according to Luke, the Gospel according to John, because the Gospel, at least the people who titled these Gospels, wanted to be very deliberate about the fact that there weren't four Gospels but that there was only one gospel. One gospel told from four different viewpoints. Four different perspectives. From four different people. Which actually begs this question right here, and that is this. What is the gospel according to you? That's this. Oh, well, anyway. What is the gospel according to What is the gospel. That's okay. They're talking. Okay. So what is the gospel according to you? Because we all have something that we perceive to be good news, right? We all get excited about something, don't we? Maybe for some of you, it's the gospel according to sex. Maybe for some of you, it's the gospel according to money. Maybe some of you, it's the gospel according to promotion. Maybe for some of you, it's the gospel according to prestige. See, there is something that we all get excited about, right? There is something that we all perceive to be good news. Let me tell you what the gospel according to Jesus was. You know what the gospel according to Jesus was? The gospel according to Jesus was this right here, that the kingdom is already here. That is the message that he announces over and over and over in his ministry. So let's talk about that idea of kingdom for a second, because we all, including the disciples, get all screwed up as it as it pertains to that idea of a kingdom. You know what? Let's talk about that word kingdom because you have a kingdom. I have a kingdom. My wife has a kingdom. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is try and mess with her Christmas decorations. My wife literally has like this little Christmas village where she has, (laughs) she's right there. So I can't, she has these little people that she can put into their perfect place. And she has these buildings that she can position according to her mighty will. You know, there's snow that she can put on the roof and snow. She, what I'm trying to say is this she is the goddess of that Christmas village. And if you mess with her Christmas village, she gonna smite, she's gonna smoke, she can smitten, she can kill you if you mess with that Christmas, because she has a kingdom. Guess what? I have a kingdom to kill It's called the kingdom of my TV. And if you crack my TV. I'm going to crack your head, right? I mean, I have a four-year-old. I have a four-year-old. And my f- four-year-old's favorite word is mine. Except he likes to say it like this. Mine! That's mine! His second favorite word is no. No! You know what that is? That's kingdom language, right? I have five children. I have five children. We have a Toyota Sienna. Everybody, ha- All seven people have to pack into this Toyota Sienna. And let me, t- let me tell you this. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But Toyota, what they do is they paint these invisible lines, these invisible boundary markers inside of the minivan. You know how I know that? Because if one child crosses one of those boundaries into somebody else's kingdom, guess what? I'm going to hear it. That's my seat. Get out of my seat. Yeah. Daddy, Caleb's touching me. What am I supposed to say? Caleb, stop touching your sister. You know what I'm saying? What I'm asking is this. As we're talking about kingdom, here's ultimately what I'm asking. What is my kingdom? What is my, you know what your kingdom is? Your kingdom is this right here. My kingdom is wherever it is that my will be done. This is where you and I get mixed up. And this is where the disciples got mixed up as well. Because whenever we think about somebody's kingdom and whenever we think about God's kingdom, you know what we think about? We think about a moat. We think about a dragon. We get to think about a princess that, you know, that's in the highest room of the tallest tower waiting for love's first guest. And what God is saying is, oh, let's begin to re-understand what the idea of a kingdom is all about. Because especially as it pertains to God's kingdom, what you have to understand is that God's kingdom is wherever God's will be done. Wherever that is, and whenever that is, whether that's there or here, whether it's then or now. That God's kingdom, in other words, is the sphere in which everything that happens meets with the delight and the pleasure of God. That in God's kingdom, there are no big shots. There are no egos. That even the powerful humble themselves like a child. It's a place where there is no anxious thought. And what did you, when Jesus taught his disciples and when Jesus taught us how to pray, even in that little prayer tutorial, he essentially taught us the same thing about this concept of kingdom, didn't he? He said this right here. He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, and then he goes and defines for us what kingdom is all about. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, here's the good news of Jesus. Here's the gospel of Jesus. That I'm going to bring a little bit of up there, down here. Now, before we talk about down here, I want to talk about up there a little bit. Because whenever we think about heaven, we typically think to ourselves that, oh my gosh, that everyone, that anyone would love to go to heaven as long as they're allowed in. And got God allowed more people in? Who wouldn't want to go to heaven? Everybody would want to go to heaven as long as they're allowed in. Now, I, 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 I read something on Facebook recently, and believe me, I believe everything I read on Facebook. There was this pastor recently that had written something about, you know, immigration, and he was saying this about immigration, that the reason why the United States should build a wall with Mexico is because God built a wall around heaven. Okay, now, now, I'm not trying to make a political statement about immigration as much as I'm trying to make a statement about how stupid us pastors can be sometimes, okay? Here's a, here's a question I want to ask you, and that's this question right here. Why doesn't God let more people in? Ever thought about that? As it relates to heaven and an eternity in paradise, why wouldn't God let more people in? Here's what you have to understand that when you and I ask that question, we ask it from a misunderstanding of what heaven is, is really all about. We don't understand Bible heaven. Our concept underlying that question is really our concept of heaven is that heaven's gonna be like movie heaven. That it, see, because in movie heaven, you can lie out in the sun all day and not get sunburned. In movie heaven, you can eat all the spammusubi you want and not gain any weight. In movie heaven, you can forget about Valentine's Day and not have to sleep on the couch. Okay? That's movie heaven. The problem is that's not real heaven. Because as you and I begin to define what it is that is at the core of real heaven, You know what real heaven is all about? Real heaven is all about this right here. Real heaven is defined as this, that it will be life with God. Here's what you have to understand about heaven, that heaven does not contain God. No, God contains heaven. And that heaven will ultimately be a place where you and I, where every thought, every word, every deed, will lay exposed before a holy God for all of eternity. Okay, let me put it to you like this. How many of you have ever committed a sexual sin? Would you go ahead and... No, I won't make you do that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let me... Let me let me put it to you like this. Uh, some people ask me this question. They're like, "Mark, is it okay if I watch porn?" And I'm like, "Of course it's okay if you watch porn, as long as you watch it with Grandma, right?" I mean, if gra- Grandma's gonna take all the fun out of it, you know. If I'm gonna, nobody's gonna say, "Hey, Grandma, why don't you pull up a chair and help me lust." In order for, (laughs) you all look like you feel really uncomfortable right now. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's a joke, okay? Um, If you want to lust, you want grandma about as far away as possible, right? I mean, that is part of you and I enjoying sin. It's not the exposure of that sin. It's the fact that I get to hide it. It's the fact that I get to cherish it. It's the fact that it doesn't get exposed and I get to hide that thing in my heart and in my life, which is part of the reason why um, the marketing people never say this, that what happens in Vegas shows up on YouTube. That's reality that doesn't sell. What do they say? They say this, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's the hiding of that. That makes it enjoyable. And simply, what I'm trying to say is this. If the very definition of heaven is all about the fact that every part of my mind, every part of my word, every part of my deed will lay exposed before a holy God for all of eternity, well then, to have every word sanctified, to have every thought purified, and to have every deed, made glorifying before a holy God for all of eternity? Well, to some people, that'd seem a lot more like hell than it would heaven. Henry Nowen says this about heaven right here. That heaven isn't for everyone. It's more of an acquired taste. Dallas Willard says this about Heaven right here. Pretty sure God's going to let anybody in. (laughs) I mean, anybody that can stand it. Anyways. See, you and I have a tendency to think that in heaven, it's not my condition that will be perfected. You and I have a tendency to think that in heaven, it is my circumstances that will be perfected. And so we think this, man, in heaven, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich in heaven. I'm not going to have a financial care in the world and heaven and everything's going to be great. Where maybe, maybe, heaven, you're just as broke as you are here on this earth. But since God has not perfected your circumstance, but since God has so perfected your inner condition. Maybe you wouldn't even notice. Because God has so cultivated a heart of generosity and non-comparison inside of you. Maybe there's not going to be Facebook in heaven where you go, oh, how come that, that person has that and I only, only have those? Maybe, maybe, you know what, in heaven we have a tendency to think that, you know what, I'm not going to be, I'm going to have this perfect body image in heaven. And in heaven I'm not going to have to worry about, like, looking like this. But maybe you, you can be just as ugly in heaven as you are on earth. But maybe since God has not perfected the outer circumstances, but God has so perfected the inner heart, then you don't struggle with comparison. You're actually happy for other people. You know what I think? I think Christianity gets kind of of a bad rap. People are always saying this about Christianity, that it's just some exclusive country club where God is desperately trying to keep people out. I don't know if that's the case. Because you know what? Jesus taught the very opposite from that. Jesus taught the very few people want in to begin with. Which is probably part of the reason why people sing songs like Stairway to Heaven and Highway to Hell. Here's a crazy thought for you, and that's this thought right here. Maybe heaven isn't as much about how do I get in as much as it's about how do I become on this earth the kind of person that will want to stay in and enjoy being there. In other words, maybe heaven isn't simply a place that you go to as much as a place that needs to get inside of us. Uh, let me, let me tell you a little story. David and I, we both share the same mentor. I don't know if he's ever talked about him. Pastor Steve Stroop. Has he ever talked about Steve Stroop? Anyway, we both share the same mentor. His name is Steve Stroop. And, uh, in the beginning, I I loved, he talked about this. Uh, One of the things that Pastor Steve does for his marriage is that in the beginning of every year, he goes to his wife and he asks his wife how he can help her accomplish her hopes and her dreams And then Pastor Steve, he uses his strategic skill set to try and help her enable her to accomplish her hopes and her dreams in that coming year. And I thought to myself, what a great idea. So I went home, I went to my wife, and I said, honey, what are your hopes and dreams? And she said, I think I want to adopt a baby. And I said, woman, what other hopes and dreams you got? (laughs) Because we ain't doing that one. Well, it's been about two and a half years since we, since we adopted little Judah, and um, and uh, you know people see pictures like this on Facebook and stuff, and they they have the same reaction. They're like, "Oh, he's so precious. He's so gorgeous. Things must be so magical with Judah in the house." And I go, yeah, oh yeah, it's been great. But you know what, honestly, it's been hard. It's been really, really, really hard. And if I knew everything then that I know now, I I don't know if I necessarily would have had the strength to go through with it. And I get it, I get it. You know why? Because that little guy had four mothers in the first year and a half of his life. Um, He's had to get used to two different cultures, two different countries, two different languages, two different kinds of foods. And uh, because of that, you know what, he bites his sister, he hits his brothers, he yells and screams. He takes like three hours to eat his dinner. It's like, would you just eat your dinner? And some of you are saying, so what you're saying is that he's a normal four-year-old. And it's like, yeah, he's a normal four-year-old. But as hard as it's been, like, I don't know if I would trade that in for the world. You know why? Because the purpose of my home is not to be like movie heaven. The purpose of my home is to have a little bit, just a little bit of up there, come down here. See, here's the thing that when you receive the good news, what you have to understand is that the good news was never meant to be just good for you. Your good news was meant to be good for the orphan. Your good news was meant to be good for the trafficked. Now, you and I, as Christian believers, we were never meant to just sit here and sing happy little songs while. The underprivileged go without food, while people are rotting away uh, on their own in prisons, that it was always meant to be good for the entire world. And so the last point that I want to make is this point that right here, that heaven isn't necessarily about relocation, but that it's more about, or just as much about, transformation. Why don't you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, we just want to thank you, Lord God, for this time. And we want to thank you, Jesus, that you begin to even challenge our idea of what the gospel is really all about. That we're not, that we don't simply have our ticket punched until that one day where we go to heaven where everything's going to be fine. But Lord God, that heaven isn't simply about one day, but that heaven is also about right now. And that there's a work that you want to do in us right now as we prepare to meet you for all of eternity. And so, Father, this is what we pray for, God, that, Lord, that you would do that work inside of us. Father, that we wouldn't just think about heaven, that we wouldn't just think about one day, that we wouldn't just think about this time where, Father, where our circumstances have changed, but, Lord God, there there is this purifying, Lord. That's part of the reason why we go through trials. That's part of the reason why you give us jobs. That's the reason why we go through trials with children. That's part of the reason why we go through some of these, even these physical ailments and these struggles that we do. It's because there is this process of purification and refinement, Father, that you want to do in us before we meet you on that one day so that we can become the kind of person that will ultimately want to be with you for all of eternity. And that is our heart's desire today, Lord God, that we would want to be with you for all of eternity, Lord God. That you would not give us our heart's desire because our heart's desire is ultimately you. And as long as we have you, then we don't need anything else. Because that's what heaven is really going to be all about. Heaven is really going to be all about life with you. And we can't wait for that day where we get reunited with our maker in that way. And so, Jesus, it is just our heart's desire in this moment to say that we love you, God. And yes, we cannot wait for that one day. But we know that that one day has already come as well. So change us, mold us, and help us be the kind of people that you want us to be. And Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said... Amen. Amen. Thanks for having me here, guys.